Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We are going to talk about clean versus dirty fasting. People often ask me what is or isn't allowed during a fast. Does lemon water break my fast? Does creamer in my coffee break a fast? Do supplements break my fast? Does stevia break my fast? I thought it'd be a good time to address this topic since we are about to kick off a new round of Feast of Fast in about a week. And a spoiler alert, you might want to start weaning off your sweet coffee now. I think the bottom line is that people want to know what they can consume during a fast. And because this question has become so common and because there is nuance and gray area, this concept of clean versus dirty fasting has emerged as a nutritional hot topic. Before we get started, just want you to know that I'm what you'd call a dirty faster and I ain't got no shame in my fasting game. I think a lot of this comes down to your goals, kind of how black and white you are. Um, you know, I'm a very gray and ish kind of person. <laughs> and, and, you know, the way I fast works for me, but maybe it's not for you. So that's what we're here to talk about. Let's start with clean fasting because it's the most clear cut. As with a lot of things in the nutritional world, there are a lot of varying opinions on this topic. But most experts agree that plain water, plain sparkling water, water with salt or unsweetened electrolytes, plain tea or plain black coffee all fall under the clean fasting category. They're not going to break your fast and in fact could even enhance your fast. Water, I mean, obviously a no-brainer because there's no calories. It's a necessity of life. Uh, Staying hydrated is critical to good health. And when we add salt or other electrolyte minerals, um, it actually helps our cells better utilize the water that that we drink. It helps keep us better hydrated, plus offers um, other health benefits. So none of that breaks your fast. If you do use electrolytes during your fast and you're wanting to keep it clean, you need to make sure they're not sweetened or flavored. Uh, Like Element, the brand Element, L-M-E-N-T, has their flavored kinds made with stevia, but they also offer a plain, unflavored, unsweetened option. So say you want to drink some electrolytes um, during your fast. Uh, Maybe you had a a sweaty workout in your fasting window and you want to keep it super clean with unsweetened electrolytes. That would be a good option. 
there were actually a few days this summer that I dirty fasted with electrolytes with stevia in them. Stevia is on the dirty list. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but there are a few times this summer I just waited too long to do my walk, which is, I always do it fasted. Um, I just waited too late in the morning and it was already so hot and I was really thirsty when I came home and I just was craving those electrolytes. Um, and so I normally don't like to have sweet tasting stuff while I'm fasting because it can throw off your hunger cues, but I was close to eating anyway. Um, all that said, if you're a clean flat faster, then that's important to you. Get the plain electrolytes. And then as far as water goes, you can also drink plain sparkling water. If you want to keep it clean, keep it unflavored. Okay. All right. Tea and coffee, both on the clean list and both of which have health benefits in that they offer antioxidants, which help fight free radicals in the body. And the caffeine in tea and coffee can also give your metabolism a boost and help suppress appetite. So even though coffee has a few calories and technically, technically, Anything with calories breaks a fast. It's just, I mean, what do they have? Like under five calories, like two to four calories. I don't know. Very few calories. It's just so minimal and somewhat negated by these other beneficial properties that it's considered benign when it comes to fasting. Now it's what you put in your tea or coffee or water that starts getting into the gray area. But before we go there and get into the dirty fasting, I think that we, you and I as Christians, need to make one more distinction that is typically not discussed around this topic. And that that is that clean fasting is not the same as holy or spiritual or biblical fasting. I don't think Moses or Esther or Jesus were drinking black coffee or Perrier during their fasts. In fact, I don't even think they drank water. That is some hard core fasting in the case of fasting without water for 40 days like Jesus and Moses did. I mean, that's supernatural. So I'm not promoting that or any kind of fasting without water. But the point is that the truest, most baseline form of fasting is no more than just plain, no frills, basic water. So if your goal is to keep it very spiritually tight, stick to plain water during your fast. That said, I do think denying ourselves in general is in the spirit of a holy fast. And that's why you see different kinds of fast in the Christian tradition. Some denominations undergo temporary fast from meat, from oils, from wine, even a 12 to 16 hour intermittent fast, which is really what we're talking about today, isn't necessarily viewed as a spiritual fast because we think fasting has to be an extended event. You know, but I believe intermittent fasting is the daily opportunity to honor the way God created our bodies. We are designed with the ability and the need to go for periods of time, even if it's 10 to 12 hours without food, in order to allow the body to detoxify, to give the digestive system a rest, and to maintain metabolic fitness, which is to maintain health. Just like fasting is not only about the physical without the spiritual, it's also not just about the spiritual without the physical. It is a full spirit, mind, body, practice discipline and gift from God. It is a God-given tool for healing. Um, and we just have the opportunity to do it every day with intermittent fasting. Now, more than anything, it's the intention and the heart that you bring to your fast that matters the most. We are not a better person for fasting clean or fasting dirty, right? It just, again, kind of depends on what your um, physical health goals are. 
That said, let's move into dirty fasting and know that just because something is in the quote unquote dirty category, it doesn't mean it's bad for you. But I mean, you know, the line has to be drawn somewhere. And the more we talk about adding in and consuming things in the fasting period, the further we're getting away from a true fast. Also, on some of these things, the science just may not be definitive. And because each person's health status is a little different, we can't make blanket statements that this thing or the other thing doesn't interrupt the benefits of fasting. Some people need to keep their fast clean to see results. Others get results with more wiggle room. So none of this is about being legalistic. It's about determining what works for you. Before I go through the list, the dirty list, just know that, you know, I regularly use at least three of these things during my fast. Again, dirty faster here. Okay, so on the dirty fasting list, a couple of these might surprise you. Lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, coffee creamers, milk, butter, oils, any of that stuff you might put in your coffee, non-nutritive sweeteners like stevia, collagen, juice, and bone broth. Now, just take a deep breath. If I just called you dirty based on your fasting habits, listen, just means you're in good company and we can be friends, okay? Really, just don't freak out if you too regularly include any of these in your fasting window, but do listen in case you want to tweak something to optimize a health goal. You may be surprised to hear that lemon juice and apple cider vinegar are on the dirty list. To me, these are really in the same category as coffee. Um like plain black coffee, maybe a couple calories, but with good health benefits. You know, lemon juice gives you a little vitamin C, potassium, it boosts detoxification. Apple cider vinegar can also help boost detoxification and digestive function and help lower blood sugar. You know, they're not going to stop your body from burning fat, which is one of the great benefits of fasting that people are seeking. They're not going to completely halt all detoxification processes. Um, But again, I think they're in the gray area because once we start adding to our liquids, we are essentially, essentially adding what is classified as food. And because food breaks a fast, we're moving into shades of gray here. I really think this list should be called the gray list instead of the dirty list. It would be probably more appropriate and less finger pointy and shame inducing, right? Okay, let's talk about milk, cream, butter, oil, um, any of the delicious things that people might put in their coffee or tea. All of these are adding calories or energy, as I prefer to call it. And technically, when we engage the digestive and metabolic system to deal with incoming calories or energy, we are breaking the fast. We are waking up those systems and getting them churning. Part of what we're wanting to accomplish with fasting is allowing the body to burn stored energy, also known as fat. That's what fat is. It is stored energy on your body that you carry around with you in case of emergency when there's no food. But most of us don't experience this kind of emergency, uh, like a famine, praise God, But sadly, because people are so metabolically compromised, even three or four hours without food um, is an emergency for some people. I mean, you wouldn't have lasted very long historically if you couldn't go three to four hours without food. The ability to fast between meals and to reasonably fast between dinner and breakfast is the sign of a healthy metabolism and someone who can access stored fat for energy. Not eating for 12 to 16 hours gives your body the need to tap into your energy reserves because there's no food coming in. But when you eat, which is introducing energy, 
Your body doesn't need to burn what is stored because it's got some right there available for use. That's what breaking the fast is, you know, giving your body energy to use as fuel. Now, if it's a little splash of milk or cream in your coffee, that's not enough outside energy to keep your body running very long. So it's still going to rely on burning your stored energy or your fat. But if you're having a latte with a bunch of milk in it, well, now you're introducing a more significant amount of calories that takes away the need for your body to burn stored fuel. There are some people in the 50 calories or less camp, which subscribe to the idea that it's not considered breaking the fast if it's less than 50 calories. Again, technically speaking, ingesting calories breaks a fast. But I think this speaks to the fact that it may not necessarily stop your body from burning fat if you don't eat much more than that. But I would say if that 50 calories is actual food like that you're chewing, we've just kind of lost sight of our fasting goal here, you know. But again, it's all fine lines and gray up in here. The other thing that we want to keep in mind is that when we introduce sugar, which includes carbs because all carbs turn to sugar, your body switches from that fat burning mode um, that it's been in into sugar burning mode. We kind of lose our fat burning mojo when we do that. Um, and we don't want to because that's one of the great things about fasting. Carbohydrates are the macronutrient that most aggressively trigger insulin, which is our energy storage hormone. And so insulin blocks fat burning. Okay, so we don't want to be spiking insulin while we're fasting because it's going to block fat burning. That's going to be counterproductive to what you are trying to do. Um, and it also will inhibit autophagy. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The point is... If you are going to add something to your coffee or your tea while you're fasting, you don't want to add too much. And the higher in fat and the lower in carbs or sugar or like zero carbs or sugar would be ideal, the better. Uh, fat has a negligible effect on insulin. Your body will stay in that fat burning mode um, and still rely on burning stored energy as long as you're not introducing too much. Okay. Like some people might put, um, you know, butter in their coffee, like the bulletproof coffee or the oils or something like that. I mean, your body will use that fat for energy, right? Um, so just don't put too much in there if you're doing that. Okay. A big part of um, what we do in Feast of Fast is to help train the body to be a better and more efficient fat burner. So even, you know, I even encourage making the first meal of the day when you do break your fast be primarily fat and protein so your body is forced to become better at utilizing fat for energy. So you're just kind of prolonging that training, so to speak. Once you're meta if you're metabolically flexible and your body really burns fat and um and sugar well, then it's you know, it's fine if you're having some um, healthy carbs at breakfast. But if you are an inefficient fat burner, if you have weight to lose, then I really like prioritizing that first meal of the day, whenever that might be, to be primarily fat and protein. Okay, so I know this probably opens up a lot of questions about what is okay to put in your coffee. Can I put half and half or my white chocolate mocha international delight coffee creamer, or my vanilla nut pods or my almond milk? And my answer is, Keep it as simple and minimalistic ingredients in the ingredients as possible. Okay, ideally, um, if you're a dairy person, you're using something like plain organic cream or half and half. 
Now I use a Roy D coconut milk that I order from Amazon and the only ingredient is coconut milk. There are no stabilizers or gums or flavors or anything like that that you typically find in the non-dairy milks at the grocery store. This one is just a single ingredient and that's why I like it. That said, an unsweetened almond or coconut milk is okay. You know, just don't use too much. Califia Farms is a, a good upgraded brand um, that doesn't have as much of that junk that you find in um, other brands. Um, so they have non-dairy milks and creamers. Um, those are, like I said, a good option. Net pods are okay. You know, there's some gums and natural flavors in there, which I'm not a huge fan of. But relatively speaking, it's more high quality than, you know, like your international delight creamer, which is sugary and got all kinds of chemical stuff in there. If you tolerate and like dairy, um, like I said, I'd go for like heavy whipping cream because it's highest in fat and I would just use the least amount possible. Um, if you're more of a, you know, I'll take some coffee with my creamer kind of person, you're obviously adding more energy and robbing your body of using its own stored energy. So just again, keep reiterating here. If you are putting stuff in your coffee or tea, um, just use as little as possible. Um, another option is layered powdered creamer, layered as in layered Hamilton, the hot surfer who's married to Gabrielle Reese, equally hot volleyball player. Um, but layered Hamilton makes some good upgraded products like this coffee creamer. The vital proteins collagen creamers are another option. We're going to talk about collagen in a minute. Um, and by the way, I have all of this in the show notes as usual. And I also have a blog post on my website called what should I put in my coffee? Um, where you can also find this information. If you go to the search bar and put in coffee, hopefully it will uh, pop up and take you to it. Okay, so knowing all of this, um, some people just decide, shoot, it's just easier and more befitting of their goals to drink black coffee, you know, like not mess with any of this. That's my best friend, Christy. She's a super black and white, very on and off type person, um, you know, she doesn't feel like she's doing it right if she's adding stuff to her coffee. Also, she's had cancer. Um, and so I think she's really going for some of these detoxification benefits. So she wants to keep it clean, you know, super clean and tight. Um, you know, whereas I'm, you know, good with my health status right now. I'm not trying to lose weight. Yes, I want the detoxification um, properties of it. Um, and so I, but, you know, I feel like I'm getting um, plenty of those with it and I'm gray and all that good stuff. So I'm not going to sweat a little coconut milk or collagen in my coffee. Um, but what we don't want to happen is for legalism here to be a barrier for people when it comes to fasting. There are a lot of people that are like, if I have to drink black coffee, then forget it. You know, they just throw the baby out with the bat with the water. I'd much rather someone dirty fast than not fast at all, you know, cause you're still going to get a ton of benefits. We just can't let perfection be the enemy of progress. But I, I do know that some people are just wired to be black and white. And if that's you, that's fine. Then stick to a clean fast. Now, I have read that some people notice when they do switch to plain black coffee, like they were dirty fasting, and then they, they clean it up and they move over to the clean list. Um, they notice their hunger cues and cravings becoming more balanced, like going away and not being um, so loud. Um, and this is one of those tweaks you might want to experiment with. You know, you just don't know unless you play around with it. Some people have more sensitive systems and find that introducing even the smallest amounts of creamer or sweetness signals the body too loudly that the feeding window is open, you know, and then the cravings and hunger just start kicking in. Your body 
um, thinks it's time to eat because you're opening that feeding window. So you might find that you can more easily fast longer when you drink plain coffee or tea or just plain water. So let's talk about sweeteners. Obviously, regular sugar or honey or something like that is going to break your fast and put you in sugar burning mode. But the natural alternative sweeteners um, like stevia or monk fruit are a little more gray. They don't have any calories, so they don't technically break your fast. But again, we're adding sweet, we're adding something in there, and they do kind of trick your body when consumed in the fasting window. When your tongue tastes something sweet, you know, there's a signal that goes to your brain and your body is expecting energy or calories to come in. I mean, why wouldn't it? Why would it be tasting something sweet unless it was coming with food? So when no food follows, it's like, um, where's the food? <laughs> this is why in some people drinking coffee or tea with something sweet in it is just too much of a teaser and ends up driving them to break their fast sooner than they would without it, or maybe have a more torturous fast because they're like, I'm hungry, can increase your appetite and cravings throughout the day. And you know, that intense sweetness first thing in the morning overstimulates that signal, you know, that tells the body that the feeding window is open. It's just like you're ringing the check wagon bell super loud, and it makes your body want to eat. And part of the beauty of fasting is that it helps temper appetite and cravings and hunger hormones. So kicking off your day with something um, kind of intensely sweet like that can work against you. One of the things that we're trying to accomplish in the first few weeks of Feast to Fast is to reset the taste buds and the pleasure receptors in your brain to get back to a more reasonable expectation of what is sweet. You know, that's why I don't allow any honey or alternative sweeteners in those fir first few weeks at all. Um, and I also don't like, um, especially in those first few weeks or, you know, in the fasting period to have gum. You know, I know that can help people kind of stave off hunger. But again, when we're trying to reset everything, that gum is just um, keeping keeping that sweet taste um, just a little bit too loud and keeping your palate and pleasure receptors overstimulated. We just, you know, we've got to kind of clear the decks, clean the slate every once in a while so that the body can come back to a baseline and reappreciate the natural sweetness of real food like apples and blueberries. Um, I hope that makes sense. I tell people they can add their stevia back in their coffee if they want to in week three. That's when we get to the heck yeah weeks. But by then, many people have gotten used to drinking their coffee or tea without it, and they don't need or want to add it back in. And I think that's a good habit to stick, um, to have stick if you can. Um, let's talk about collagen and bone broth, both of which are nice things to include in your diet. But we have to consider a few things about including them during the fasting window. Again, the calories coming in technically break a fast. You know, a cup of bone broth has about 40 to 50 calories and two scoops of collagen has around 70 calories. Our body considers that energy, you know, and will burn that incoming energy instead of burning what's on our body. Uh, however, these are both protein foods. They're not going to ruin your fat burning mode. But because they are protein foods, we do have to consider how they affect autophagy. Autophagy is the cellular cleansing process that happens when we fast. In fact, it's one of the great benefits of fasting. It helps get rid of damaged cells, like those that could turn into cancer cells. Um, and generally speaking, it's just a wonderful self-cleaning tool in our body. 
But there's an amino acid called glycine, which is prominent in collagen and bone broth that has been shown to inhibit autophagy. I read that that was discovered in an animal study where the animals were given large amounts of glycine. And so we can't exactly draw a straight line conclusion that a scoop or two of collagen in our coffee is going to completely blow autophagy in humans. You know, there's conflicting opinions among the experts about this, and that's what makes it gray and dirty. But I'd say if autophagy is your main goal for fasting, I would save your collagen for your feeding window and in general stick to a more clean fast. But, you know, like, again, like for me, I dirty fast with my coconut milk and collagen in my coffee. Um, but then I go and walk for over an hour before I eat breakfast. Exercise also helps um, induge and induce and boost autophagy. So kind of feel like mine is all working out okay. You know, like kind of coming out in the wash. <laughs> but when I super fast, I purposefully don't add collagen to my coffee because I really want to play off that longer fast and optimize the autophagy benefits. Um, we kind of talked about that in last week's podcast, you know, when I was telling you about the amino acids and kind of waiting till the, the last minute if I'm going to do a, a strength training workout during my uh, super fast window. I should probably use these um, super fast days to stick to black coffee. I think that would be a good challenge for me, especially since our super fast are times to be more spiritually intentional. I think I'll do that this next time around. Okay, before we go, let's talk about supplements really quickly. Um, most supplements are fine to take during a fast. Um, I mean, I wouldn't take like gummies, like you know, gummy supplements on a fast because they're kind of sugary. But other than that, you're you're really okay. Um, something like branch chain amino acids that people might take before a workout. Now they do trigger an insulin response. Um, so I wouldn't take those during a fast. Um, and you know, again, that essential amino acid supplement that I take, sometimes it doesn't do that. And it is a more complete full spectrum. It's all of the essential amino acids instead of just the branch chain amino acids, which is just three of them. So I think in general, you know, I prefer, I would prefer and recommend that people use the uh, essential amino acids rather than just bran uh, branch chain amino acids anyway. Um, but anyway, because of the amino acid situation, um, it could inhibit autophagy, taking any kind of amino acid like that during your uh, fast. Okay, so I think we can wrap things up there. If you're still questioning what is, you know, quote unquote, allowed on your fast, I think you can go ahead and surmise that um, it's not on the clean list. It's probably dirty, <laughs> you know, if you're in question about it. Um, and again, it's not being about legalistic. It's about um, deciding what works best for your health needs, your health goals, what fits well into your lifestyle. Um, and just so you know, we welcome clean and dirty fasters alike and Feast of Fast, which starts soon. So come join us and learn how all of these pieces of metabolic health fit together. You can sign up at feastoffast.co. Okay, my friend, I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. Thank you so much for listening and being here. I will talk to you soon. Hi, everyone.
and remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.